Hi, I'm Pastor Torrin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we'll be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. I hope you enjoy this morning's sermon. How many of you know that in the Bible, there are certain things that Jesus says, not if you do, but when you do? There are certain things that we as believers in Jesus Christ are, are to some degree, almost, I, I would say, required to do. And it's not because Jesus is trying to be mean and heap on more than we can handle, but what he's trying to do is set inside of us a pattern of faithful living to where he can say, if you want to be like me and you want to, for people to see me in you, then you need to act like me. You need to be able to do the things I did. Uh, there were three things that, that Jesus said from the Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew uh, chapter 6 that were, that were not ifs, but whens. And I want to talk about one of those today because I believe sometimes in our lives we mess up sometimes this definition of the word. And I want to be real clear about it today and and maybe take it not a step farther than what it's supposed to be, but take it a step deeper in our own lives. And maybe we can gain from that. By the way, the three things Jesus said we are when we are to do them is give, pray, and fast. And I want to talk about fasting this morning. Let's give a clear definition of fasting. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse number 16. <clears throat> this is what it says. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that it may appear to men to be fasting. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's talk about fasting for a minute. In the beginning of time, when we start studying through, and we, we're not to this in our Exodus study yet, but when you study Exodus, you'll find that fasting is a part of the law. Every year, there was the uh, Jewish people, when it came time to celebrate the uh, Day of Atonement, for around that period of time, there was a time that they were supposed to fast from something. Now, it seemed like a, a minor thing to do, but uh, because it was something so simple. In fact, the Bible said the thing they were supposed to fast from, or to keep themselves from, was a little thing we, we formally call today yeast, but back then in the Bible it was called leaven. Leaven was this symbol of, of uh, was, well, leaven was yeast, it was used in bread, obviously, to, to make the bread rise and and before the children of Israel left the land of Egypt and went to the promised land, they were forced to rush out in the middle of the night, and they didn't have time to let bread rise, which I think is a, is a shame. I like big, thick bread. It's good. It's good. It's really good. But they, were, they had these flat cakes, and they, they had to make them fast because they knew they were going to have to get out of town quick. Now, you would think they weren't have to get out of town quick because what happened was after the firstborn of Egypt died, the Bible says that as they were leaving, they took the gold and the silver from Egypt with them and they all kind of walked out together. 
But uh, how many of you know that Pharaoh, even though he was hard-hearted, uh, wasn't dumb and blind, and he said, oh, what did I do? I just let them go. I'm going to go get them back. So by God forcing them to leave quicker out of the land of Egypt, they got a head start down to the Red Sea. And we all know how that story ended. Uh, they finally made it across. took them a few years. Come on, that's true. took them a few years. And only two of them actually made it to the promised land from the very beginning trip, Joshua and Caleb. But in the end, they got there. And, but it was, and so in the, in the process of, of, of the feast, the idea was for the whole seven days, they were not to have this leaven or this yeast. And, and part of it was the fact that this leaven was a, a symbol to the people of, of sin. And, and by sin, let's be real clear, it wasn't like uh, they, they had a list from the, from the mountain with the law of God of things they were to do and were not to do. Can I tell you, it's very, very simple when God makes a list for you. You know, some people say, well, what about this? What about that? What about, you know, how does this fall in? Well, you know, look in the Bible and see. Sometimes God put a list in there for our benefit so we can know what things to avoid in our lives. And and he, he said to, to leave this leaven out because it represents missing the mark. It represents falling short. And you're to leave it out and to stay away from it. And so and as, as time went on, fasting became one of these things where people who wanted to have a closer relationship with God would fast. And, and, and if to some degrees, uh, there are different types of fasting, but some degrees, not eat. Not just things with leaven, but not eat at all in order to show God how hungry they were to follow after him. In other words, it's the same thing when Jesus is in the wilderness and he says that wonderful scripture from Deuteronomy, that man shall not live by what? Bread alone. He said, listen, there are more important things than food. And uh, now some, some of us, you look at us and you wouldn't believe that, but it's true. There's some things that are more important than food. And throughout time, uh, you would have people who would do fast. There was a 21-day fast or a 40-day fast, 10-day fast, 7-day fast. But the idea was is that in order to show, the, the, show God that you were serious about following him, you would leave things alone, primarily food, but leave things alone in order to focus on him. Now, it didn't work this way because a lot of people, when they think about fasting, this is how a normal fast goes in the average American household. Breakfast starts on the morning, and they fix breakfast for everybody else, and they say, well, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to pray through breakfast. Well, that's good. That's what it's supposed to do. You're supposed to honor God with that time, but then what ends up happening is uh, about 10 a.m., some of you have never done this, but some of you, I see you looking in some of your eyes, and you're saying, oh, he's talking about me, and, and, and all of a sudden, the, the Cheez-Its on the kitchen counter look really good. And you say to yourself, self, I did really good fasting through breakfast, but you know, I don't think God would mind if I had a snack because I'm going to fast through lunch. But the idea of fasting was that it was a complete and total, uh, 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 total fast. It was something that was dedicated to God. And by the way, people who would fast in the Old Testament wouldn't go to work during their fast either. They would fast and they would, they would do, uh, consecrate themselves to God. Now, by the time we see uh, uh, Jesus' time, Jesus does his own fasting as well. The Bible talks in, in Matthew about him going out into the wilderness, and he starts to fast, and, uh, and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, and the Bible says without food or water. I don't know if you realize it or not, but that's a miracle. 
Any person in the health profession will tell you that a person can live without food. Most people, not diabetics and not people with certain eating uh, issues, but most people can live uh, to some degree uh, for 40 days without food. Uh, It has been done. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it unless God tells you to do it, but, but it's been done and people can survive that. But most people will tell you man cannot survive uh, at the, not too long uh, without water. Uh, the average person, if they went without three days uh, from water, uh, would die of uh, dehydration. And the people, there are some people who can last up to seven days. Those of us who have more water in our bodies than others uh, can last a few more days. But the idea is that after a while, uh, the body would begin, to, would begin to dehydrate and you would die. Jesus is out in the wilderness, and the Bible says he, he didn't drink uh, or eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And he comes out of this and, and, and is ministered to by the angels. But the idea was, he, this was a miracle, that he was able to do this. And totally consecrating himself before he started his, his real earthly ministry uh, by fasting. When it comes down to the mountain time, though, Jesus has, is seeing two different styles of fasting. One is the style of the Pharisees. Now, now you've got to understand, the Pharisees are not bad people. They're just people that don't understand it all. Their Pharisees were people that, that, that devoted their entire life to holiness, and they divided themselves, separated themselves to say, we're more holy than everyone else. We live to a higher standard. And what they would do is when they would fast, everybody knew it. Now, some people may be fasting or, that you know, and they let everybody know it because they're, oh, I can't go, can't go with you this week, brother. Oh, I'm just, I'm suffering for Jesus. Uh, you probably don't know anybody like that, do you? Don't look at the other person. <laughs> but you, you got this idea that, uh, that these, these Pharisees would do the same thing. They wanted everybody to know they were suffering for Jesus. And people pat them on the head and say, oh, you're such a good Pharisee. You're doing so good. We're so proud of you for giving up for Jesus. We're going to give you a sucker when this is all over. And they would, they would just be uh, so proud of them. And Jesus comes on the scene and he sees this. And he says, listen, this isn't the way fasting is supposed to go. Fasting was intended for your attention to be focused on Jesus, not for you to get attention from other people. I laughed, uh, it wasn't too long ago, I was uh, watching a website of a friend of mine's church, and they had a fasting blog, fasting video blog, on the web, so everyone can watch them go through a fast. And I, I, I simply called him up and I said, Tim, I said, I don't mean to be mean, but, but have you ever read <laughs> Matthew chapter 6? He replied, of course I have. I've been in ministry for 20 years. Did you, did you read the part in verse 16 about fasting in the open? He emailed me back later and said, uh, yeah. I said, can, can we just be honest for a minute? Listen, part of the problem with, with, with living a Christian life is there's so many people doing it poorly. That's why Jesus says it's the hypocrites that are causing the problems because they say we want attention to go to God and yet the attention all comes to themselves. That was never the way God intended it to be. Do you understand that? It's never the way God intended it to be. Jesus says, listen, you've got to learn fasting is more than just not eating a meal. Fasting is giving of yourself for Jesus' sake. 
It's giving of yourself, giving something up for Him. Giving something up so that He can be glorified and He can be exalted and you can be humbled. I don't think sometimes we understand that the very definition of how we're supposed to live is so eloquently put by John the Baptist when he said about Jesus, He must increase and I must decrease. What fasting does is it takes all the attention off of, off of you, what's important to you, and gets you back focused on what's important to God. Jesus said, listen, if you're going to fast, do me a favor. I, that's, that's Torin translation, but I, I think it fits well in the character of Jesus. He says, listen, if you're going to, do, to fast, do me a favor. He says, when you fast, anoint your head. If, what does that mean? You know, I, I thought long and hard about that. What, what, why anoint your head? Do you smell bad? Because, you know, anointing was, all, was a perfume type of thing. And when people did it right, you could smell it for half a mile away if the wind was blowing right. You know, I think it was, I think, in fact, I think it was very interesting. I'll throw this in for a side note. It won't cost you anything. But i throw this in for a side note that Jesus' feet were anointed right before he went to the cross. And, and the anointing oil she used on the feet of Jesus would have still been smelt by the soldiers at his feet. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, is that he says, listen, anoint your head. What do you think he means by anoint your head? Well, I'll tell you what I think he means. I think he means stand up straight and be, stand in who you are. Cover up under his anointing. The anointing was something that was supposed to be symbolized as, as, as a follower of God. The priests were anointed. Uh, kings were anointed, but he says, anoint your head. He says, listen, uh, cover up this fact that you're suffering for yourself and wash your face. I, I love that wash your face part. He says, don't, don't look so pitiful. Don't look so sad. I know some of you miss food. I know some of you like pecan pie. But don't worry. That's not what it's for. He says, listen, you're going to have to be willing to give up, and then act like you're not giving up anything. I think that's the hard part sometimes. When we give up something, we want everybody in the world to know it. I know, <laughs> I know people who used to... Uh, uh, boy, I better not say this. Let me get behind the bulletproof glass. Uh, there, I used to know people who would say, Hey, you'll never guess what we did. We gave... This amount of money to charity this week. Great. Love that. I don't even know. I had a friend of mine in Memphis one time. He was so proud. Gave $10,000 to St. Jude. Came up and said, he said, man, he goes, man, what do you think about that? I said, I think you got what you deserved. See, the Bible says that when we boast in ourselves, we get our reward. Jesus said, if you want a real reward, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. See, that's why I read that next verse last. Because when we give up stuff just so we can get attention, then we're not going to get what we really should be getting out of fasting. What we get is human applause. And let me tell you something. Human applause and human favor last for about six milliseconds. Well, pastor, how do you figure that out? Just watch the Oscars. These people cheer for a Hollywood actor one week and he puts out a bad film and they hate him the rest of his life. 
Look, human favor and human applause last for either as long as the person is alive or as long as you're their friend. And as soon as you mess up, it's over with. And what's the purpose of that? He says, you want real treasure? You want, real, you want what you do to last for eternity? Do it for the Lord. You don't do it for anybody else. Well, pastor, uh, uh, the, the, you know, but what about, what about what I'm doing? What about what I'm giving up? Doesn't that count? Well, yeah, if you do it in the right attitude, in the right spirit. But that's why Jesus called the people that did it wrong hypocrites. He said, listen, he goes, do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place. And the father who's in secret will reward you openly. He said, listen, if you're going to give it up, give it up for the right reason. If you're going to give up food, give it up for the right reason. If you're going to give up something else. Sometimes people tell me, well, pastor, I can't give up food because I have to eat. And I said, well, what are you willing to give up? Can I just talk about that for a few more minutes? There are a whole bunch of stories. and We always, we always pick on uh, Jesus for picking 12 disciples. Uh, if it were up to me, I'd have left out eight of them. I'd have just picked four. <laughs> there are only really four that never gave him any trouble. You know, I left out Peter because Peter just, eh, <laughs> all the time. Uh, I left out Judas Iscariot because, you know, backstabber. And, uh, I'd, uh, you know, I left out a couple others, but I'd, I kept Andrew because, you know, he brings me food. <laughs> I'd have I'd, I'd, I'd picked uh, Judas because he didn't give us any problem. Uh, Bartholomew, uh, uh, Thomas, he's gone. Uh, but, you know, you have all these, you pick and choose. But Jesus said he picked 12. And in fact, if we're really honest with ourselves and count all the people that Jesus called to follow him, there was more. There was more. And in that moment, can you imagine this? Jesus, the person who they think is the Messiah, the chosen Savior, come to free them from the Romans, which, by the way, wasn't a bad idea. <laughs> free them from the Romans and to restore the national Israel. Here's a guy who they've been waiting for all their lives. And he comes up and says, you can follow me if you. I remember the one guy, very famous story, of course. One guy comes to Jesus and he goes, hey, what do I got to do to sign up? Jesus said, what have you been doing? He goes, I've been following the law. He goes, great. Of course, now he lists the law. He lists the things that he did. You know, I, don't, I honor my father and my mother. I haven't stealed or killed anybody today. Uh, you know, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. Jesus goes, great. Now, tell you what you need to do. What you need to do now is I want you to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Now, obviously, Jesus doesn't ask that of all of us. But I've never known a person that Jesus didn't ask something of us. Now, listen to me. I've never met a person Jesus asked them to give up everything of themselves. But I've never met a person Jesus didn't ask them to give some of themselves, something of theirs away, something of theirs up. This man was so enamored with the, his identity being in his riches that the Bible doesn't call him by name. The Bible refers to him as a rich, young ruler. And he knew that if he gave away his riches, his identity would just be that guy. And he couldn't deal with that. With others, there was one guy who said he had to go uh, 
say goodbye to his mother and father, he should have learned from Elisha. <laughs> and, and you had this other, this other man who had to uh, go somewhere else and do business. All these people had the same problems. And then there's a whole crowd of people around Jesus one day, and he says this one statement. He goes, unless you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. You can't be my disciple. And people left. People left. You say, well, what's that got to do with fasting? Everything. Because to give up part of yourself is just like fasting. You're surrendering a part of your life to Jesus. Or hopefully all of your life to Jesus. See, I think Jesus, as, as, I, as I follow his track, as he's teaching and ministering and working on his disciples, you know, every time he was with them, he was molding them and, and creating something inside of them that he would use later once he was gone and sent his Holy Spirit. And everything he's doing with the disciples, he's, he's changing them little by little and, and you know, molding them here and, and chipping this off there. And he's trying to, to help them learn to be. And all the time, he, he goes from this this idea of come and see to come and die. And, and at the end, he's asking them to surrender everything. And the people who are around the disciples, some of them left. Because the idea of not being in charge of our own lives makes us furious. In fact, I would be willing to tell you today that of the majority of the people I meet in northern New England, many of them don't mind Jesus telling them they need to show up to church on Sunday morning. They don't even mind Jesus telling them to uh, give them the offering. But very few of them like the idea of being told they have to live for Jesus Christ every day of the week. 24 hours a day. We used to call the process snoring for Jesus. <laughs> What do you mean, Pastor? I mean giving of yourself completely to Him. Well, Pastor, I don't like that idea because I kind of like who I am. Well, I like all y'all too. But there are certain things, though, in all of us that we need to surrender and give to Him and give up. You know, when the, when the Bible is talking about fasting of foods, for some of us, we ought to be fasting other things. And giving it to the Lord. Like, I don't know, our time. You'd be surprised if you were to take a log of last week and write down how you spent every five-minute period of every day. Some of us would be surprised how little time God had in our lives. In fact, I think some of us, if we were to take... In fact, I would be willing to bet if you were to take that time log to Africa... And go over to one of these small tribes, they would believe that you don't worship God, you worship TV. Or this other longer word called computer. <laughs> you know, it never fails. Uh, I shouldn't say this, but I am. You know, I, I, I sometimes, every time that uh, I, I, I need to motivate myself to clean my house, I go watch that A&E show, Hoarders. You know, and that just, that just turns on my motivation because as soon as I see, I mean, five minutes into it, I'm picking up, I'm picking up little micro pieces of stuff off the carpet because I'm like, can't, boy, I'm not letting my house get that way. You know, and I, but, but you know what I always noticed in those houses? There are two things 
if the power's on in that house, there are two things in every house. There's a clear space to the TV and a clear space to the computer. And the only times you don't see that is when the power's been shut off and when they show the opening scene of them living in somebody else's house, they're either in front of a computer or they're in front of a TV. I would be willing to bet that the, if we were to value our lives in, in time period increments, we would find out, if, if really, if, our, if, our, if our, 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 our treasure and our heart are together on things, we would we'd spend the most time with what we treasure the most. And it's awkward that we find ourselves surrounded by other things besides God. I said this Wednesday night, and I, I really meant it, you know, or, or maybe it was Sunday night, but listen, there was a time in the Bible where men and women used to walk with God. Remember Adam and Eve took time, and it, it, I don't know what they were doing busy in the garden. They were probably doing things that needed to be taken care of. The Bible said they were there to tend and keep the garden. But, but there were times when Adam and Eve actually took time out of their schedule to walk with God. They actually walked with him. They talked with him. I, I don't know what the conversations were. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How you doing? Huh? Same old, same old. <laughs> it's a great day in the garden. The sun's shining. Dew on the ground. It's nice. How are you doing? I'm doing. I, I don't know what they talked about. All I know is they took time to spend with each other, took time to do with each other. And today we look at our busy schedules and we go, we don't even know how we have time to walk on a treadmill or not, let alone walk with God. I'm not a big fan of the treadmill anyway, but yeah, do, do we even have time to spend time with God? Do we even have, uh, uh, do we even have priority that Jesus is Lord and Savior of our lives? I think the, the biggest problem that I have in my own life is thinking that the things of ministry are actually more important than my relationship with God. And, and sometimes getting so caught up in doing the actual physical work of ministry, you forget that I need to spend time with God alone. I need to take time to walk daily with God, to spend time not just studying His Word for what I'm going to talk about tonight or Wednesday night, but actually taking time out and saying, you know what, I don't need as much TV. In fact, some of you would probably be a lot nicer people Wednesday if you fasted TV Tuesday night this week. Oh, come on, that was funny. Some of you are like, honey, what's on TV Tuesday night? The election. The election's on TV on Tuesday night. Some of you are so frustrated with what's going on anyway, you're going to be mad no matter what the result is. You'd be much better off fasting TV Tuesday night. You'd be a lot happier. Everybody be, why are you so happy? Well, I spent all night last night with the Lord. You know what I've noticed? I have never had a bad time when I take time to spend with the Lord. I was about to say something to get me in deep trouble, but I won't do it. I won't. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. I'm going to hide, though. See, I've learned something. When you spend time with people, sometimes it's good time. Sometimes it's bad time. Sometimes you can have good dates. Sometimes you can have bad dates. But you know what I find interesting? I've never had a bad time with God when I take time to spend with Him. 
I never leave the presence of God more frustrated than when I came in. I never find myself more angry at God when I leave. In fact, I may come in to the day uh, uh, talking with God saying, I can't believe you put me through this. And then all of a sudden I leave going, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to feel your presence. See, I think God put fasting into our mindset and into the scriptures and into the law and into the message Jesus had to remind us that this life is really not all about us. I'm glad nobody believes me. No, listen, I'm telling you, he put fasting in to remind us this life is not all about us. This life is about him. This, this world was created by him for his pleasure, for his benefit. And this whole life that we live is about serving him and loving him and him teaching us how to love each other. But if we don't get this relationship right with him, we're never going to get these relationships right. If this relationship is broken, all these relationships will never make sense. Because if you don't have love from God, you're not going to have love to love one another. The Bible says in 1 John that love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. If this is not working, these, these relationships will never work. And if we don't take time to say, you know what? My relationship with God is more important than food. Or my relationship with God is more important than TV. Even if it is a football game. Even though LSU lost. But anyway, uh, even if it is a football game. Or your favorite TV show. Whatever that may be. Or maybe, maybe you don't need to know everything there is to know about people on Facebook. Oh, Did I hit a hard note there? I'm sorry. Hello? Can we be honest? I mean, really, if we can't be honest in church, where are we going to be honest, right? I mean, it might, not, might, might as well not be the Facebook network. It might as well be the gossip network. You know, I mean, people really uplift and, 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 and support one another on Facebook. Or maybe I just have the wrong people on mine. Uh, but a lot of times I see stuff on Facebook and I'm thinking, wow, I don't need this. Or I didn't need to know this about that person. And then, I, you know, some people get on and they'll play games or they'll be on. Pastor, stop picking on me about my computer. I'm talking to you about your life. God wants more from you than just a Sunday morning commitment. God wants more from you than just the appearance of, I look like I'm doing what's right, instead of, you need to be doing what's right. Fasting is more than just a requirement. It's a lifestyle privilege that we have to say, Lord, I love you enough to give up the things that I cherish in order to show you how much I love you. Some people have made the ultimate sacrifice in giving all. Do you know there's a scripture in the Bible that says this? He who tries to save his own life will lose it. In other words, if you think all the things around you are important, guess what? They're not. Hey, listen, can I, can I be honest with you this morning? I love my iPad. It's fun to play with. I have games on it that my kids play that I'm better at because I play longer. 
I shouldn't, but I do. But you know what? That iPad will one day go the route of every other electronic device we've ever owned. I hope it won't end up in the tub again. But, but the point is, is that, yeah, they, they sank one. In the, it was great, you know. But who knew you couldn't play them in the bathtub? I, I, you know, I, kids didn't. But listen, all those things are going to be gone. Do you know what? One day this building we're in is going to be gone. If something doesn't happen to it, a, a hurricane doesn't knock it down, uh, the ditch behind the church will claim it in 50 years. Um, you know, it's not the things that matter. It's our relationship with God that matters. You know, everything we have can be taken away in a moment's notice. You know, as I think about it in closing, I, I think about those people that lost everything during this last hurricane. How when they went to bed on, on Monday night, they may or may not have known where they stood, but when they woke up and saw things gone, or maybe they turned on the TV at the shelter and they were able to see that everything they'd worked their life for had gone away. It makes you realize that some things are worth giving up in order to make this connection with God strong. Because the Bible says, he who's willing to lose his life for my sake will find it. And I'm going to encourage you, all of you who serve God and love Jesus, ask him today, what can I give up to serve you better? What can I surrender to you to show you how much I love you? And how can I learn to make giving up things a part of my daily life? Thank you for watching today's service, but you really should visit in person. Service times are at 10 a.m. Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, and Wednesday night Bible study begins at 7 p.m. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road, on Route 5 just north of Bellows Falls. For more information, you can visit our website at www.faithchristianag.com. God bless you and have a great day.